Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 468 for your sunday march 12 2023 i'm your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue i want to thank you guys for joining me on your sundays your sunday evenings wherever you may be man we got some some news to get into on this relatively slow Newsweek in the world of professional wrestling, but I don't come empty-handed tonight. I don't come empty-handed. I got news, and we're going to go over that news today on episode 468. We're going to talk about the elites, Kenny Omega, Matt Nick Jackson, Tony Khan contract negotiations. We're going to talk about WWE lining up bidders this week in hopes to sell the company. We're going to talk about major plans for one in particular. (laughs) Becky Lynch. We got major plans for Becky. For Becky Lynch. I'm going to... Listen, man, it's called off the script for a reason. Uh, Even though she don't do the gimmick, man, I still... It's one of my favorite sticks on the show. Uh, Becky Lynch. Major plans for Becky Lynch going into this year's SummerSlam that really had my my eyes just kind of like uh, looking at the article thinking, really now? I, I don't really understand that at all, but we'll go over it today. John Cena may be around for a little bit after WrestleMania. We'll go over that. Apparently, WWE is not only doing a major show in Puerto Rico, but another major international show is in the works this time further than Saudi Arabia. And we're going to go over the Warner Brothers and AEW news that Andrew Zarian, my guy Andrew Zarian, reported this week on his Mat Men podcast, rumored to have finalized a third television show for AEW. What does that mean? I don't know, man. I really don't know. Not a big fan of it. At all. But we'll go over it. And I got a lot more on the show tonight, man. Twists and turns. Twists and turns. Is there a QR code? Yes, of course there's a QR code. There's a reason why I do things, guys. There's a QR code. Scan the QR code. Tonight's show is sponsored by Magic Spoon. That's the reason for the QR code, man. I'm going to leave it up. And then it's going to show up again later. Tonight's show is sponsored by Magic Spoon. It is cereal... Reimagined. We're happy to have Magic Spoon on board again tonight on OTS 468. Make sure you guys go and scan that QR code and get yourself some Magic Spoon. On behalf of me and the podcast, absolutely the best way to start your mornings, man. 
Magic Spoon, use code SCRIPT at checkout. Or go to magicspoon.com slash script for your $5 off on Magic Spoon cereal. So happy to have them back on the show this week. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys also hit that join button. Become a channel member right here on OTS. Tonight, man, my members, my VIPs, not only is it VIP chat, not only is it VIP only chat, but tonight, I got the final, the final, final, final draw up, final draft that you will be seeing in a couple of weeks of one half of my mother's basement. VIPs will be getting a sneak peek inside. My mother's basement tonight, immediately after the show is over. And the only way you guys can see that weeks before we unveil it is if you become a VIP right here on OTS. Hit that join button, become a channel member. When I tell you it is the most beautiful graphic you've seen anywhere on the social space on the internet, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you. It is a thing to behold. It is going to be awesome. So make sure you guys hit that join button if you want a sneak peek of what's going on inside my mother's basement. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Plenty of stuff. I live streamed for seven straight days. The streak ended yesterday when I didn't do anything. And we're back tonight. So go check all that stuff out. I'm sure there is plenty for you guys to catch up on if you missed anything. All on the homepage, so go check that stuff out. And please make sure you guys get those super chats in. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. And please hit that thumbs up. We got 1,100 in here, slowly but surely creeping our way up. I'm looking for 1,000 likes minimum tonight on OTS 468. Yes, yes, yes. You guys are getting my mother's basement, man. I can't wait. Everybody in the chat's already excited. Look at that. I know how to create anticipation, man. Let's jump into the news. I want to start off with everybody's favorite. Everybody's favorite. Ooh, hobbits Becky Lynch and the Little Precious. I love, listen, man. Becky Lynch has been so much better now under Triple H. And she was under Vince McMahon, but she'll never, she'll never let any of that stigma go, man. I don't know what Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard had her doing, man. Seriously, it was awful. Her as a heel was awful television. I don't know who enjoyed her under that shtick, under that gimmick, under that persona, but it was just nauseating television. Channel changing garbage was Becky Lynch as a heel. So much better as a babyface, and it's one of the things that Triple H sought to do when he took over WWE creative. But on Monday's episode of Raw, which people were telling me was a fantastic episode, this show sucked. Monday's Raw sucked. There were only three segments on the show that meant jack to anybody, and the rest of the show was just awful. We got three one-minute matches. People are claiming, oh, it was, it was the best Raw under Triple H. You fucking break. You kidding me? show was absolutely a Vince McMahon booked mess. 
And he was there. A coincidence? I think not. WWE on Raw confirmed Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch, and Lita will wrestle damage control. Bayley, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky in a six-woman tag team match for WrestleMania 39. The rumor was Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler were going to be added to make this a triple threat match to go along with Becky versus Lita, Becky and Lita versus Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey against damage control in a Ladies, triple threat, WWE women's tag team title match. Now, that clearly is not happening. And we are going with the six-woman tag team match instead with Trish Stratus teaming up with her good friend Lita and Becky Lynch. The other option was we do that triple threat tag team match and Bayley is without a WrestleMania match. That's where the rumor came in where it was being stated that Becky Lynch would be defending the titles with Lita in that triple threat match, and she's been feuding with Bailey. Bailey would go off and wrestle Trish Stratus in a one-on-one match. I didn't mind that at all either, but there's a reason why WWE went with this six-woman tag team match. This comes after Lita and Lynch, with the help from Trish Stratus, beat Damage Control and won the tag team titles. This is, in my honest opinion, a Vince McMahon maneuver. I don't think Triple H had uh, immediately wanted to put the titles off of his girls in damage control onto Lita and Becky Lynch. I feel like this was a Vince McMahon move, and we'll come to find out sooner or later that it was a Vince McMahon decision. WWE also has plans for the women's tag team titles to be defended at Mania. They still have plans. Rumors are that WWE still has plans for them to be defended. How much of that is true, I don't know, but WrestlingNews.co and other sites like PW Insider and Fightful have all been reporting the same Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler news, but nobody can really confirm that because Ronda Rousey is injured, and the last we heard, she's going to be missing WrestleMania. So it looks like, with Trish Stratus coming back and helping Becky and Lita, that Trish Stratus is going to be sticking around in the WWE for the next few months, as the company is reportedly planning a big match for Trish Stratus At this year's SummerSlam on August 5th in Detroit, Michigan. Now, the newly created Twitter account known as WRKD Wrestling, I don't know who runs it. I don't know how credible they are. I don't really know anything about them, but apparently people are taking this Twitter account as legit source. They report that the plan is for Trish Stratus to go heel Yes, let me repeat that if you guys are uh, giving me the side-eyed look. They are reporting that Trish Stratus is set to go heel and feud with Becky Lynch, leading to a match at SummerSlam. Now, this account has broken stories in the past, including being the first. They're the first, guys. They're the first to report that Lita was returning and confirm reports regarding Trish Stratus returning as well, man. Maybe... Maybe this Twitter account is actually Lita or Trish themselves, being that this is all that they report. The account wrote, and I quote, and please take it with a grain of salt. The long-term plan as of this moment is that Trish Stratus will turn heel and work a program with Becky Lynch through SummerSlam. WrestleMania will mark Stratus' first match since 2019, where she lost 
to Charlotte Flair in what was an overly hyped and overrated match at that year's SummerSlam. Trish Stratus is going heel. You know, there are things in this company that I have absolutely loved in the last nine or ten months with Triple H taking over WWE creative. There are things that I've absolutely hated and can't stand. I'm not saying that it is a perfect world in the post-Vince McMahon era, but this idea sounds like fucking shit. This idea sounds terrible. I don't really understand how anybody reading this and hearing about this is looking at this feud with excitement. Do you genuinely, and I, I, listen, I'm asking you guys in a, seri- in a serious way, honestly. You, you're all pro wrestling fans. This is why you're here. Do you genuinely, with what you know about Trish Stratus, do you genuinely want to boo Trish Stratus? Is there enough in you to want to boo Trish Stratus enough in a match against Becky Lynch at SummerSlam, knowing that she is a temporary thing and knowing that it's all for the tag team championships, which WWE has not really presented in the most meaningful and prestigious way. Why would anybody want to boo Trish Stratus? I'm telling you right now, when this is ex- if this is executed, if this is executed, because I don't know if this Twitter account, WRKD Wrestling, can be trusted. If this is legitimately the plan, this will fail. Nobody's going to want to boot Trish Stratus. Nobody. The only positive I see coming out of this is that it keeps Becky Lynch away from the main championship on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, wherever she may end up. There may be a draft before SummerSlam this year. We don't know. It keeps Becky Lynch away from the main titles. It keeps Becky Lynch away from feuding with Bayley as well because I'm sick and tired of that feud. So what does this mean? Becky Lynch and Lita will have the tag team championships and Trish is going to cost them as we get closer to SummerSlam. So you mean to tell me that WWE is now relying, Trish Stratus is going to be a regular on TV, Lita is going to be a regular on TV with Becky Lynch. You mean to tell me now we're going to rely on Trish and Lita in 2023 instead of building a proper women's division with the talent that we have now? You're going to use these two legends to focus the women's division on. I mean, I don't know who's going to like that aspect of it, but I, I already fucking hate it. I don't mind them using... Trish and Lita for WrestleMania. I don't mind Trish and Lita wrestling at WrestleMania in this nothing match. But now you're asking me to watch Monday Night Raw focused around Becky, Trish, and Lita. When your priority should be building the women's division with the current talent that you have now. And making it feel like the talent that is there matters most. I don't like this. There's so many negatives to come out of this then there are positives. But WWE, all they want is, you know, uh, we got to create television. We got we to gotta do what sells. Nobody wants to boot Trish Stratus. A heel Trish Stratus is nothing 
that is going to get over with the fan base. Nobody asked for it. So why is this even a thing? I don't know. I don't know. And again, this is what this, listen, you guys can call me fucking Mr. Conspiracy Theory. You can tell me that Vince lives rent-free in my head. There is no fucking way after what we read and what we heard in the dirt sheets about Triple H wanting to use current talent going into the Royal Rumble. He did not call a single legend besides Michelle McCool, who was probably there because The Undertaker was backstage. He didn't call a single legend to appear in the Royal Rumble. He wanted to use current talent. He wanted to use the talent that he called back into the company that was previously fired under the last administration. And he wanted to use NXT talent. You want me to sit there and believe that Triple H is coming up with these plans for Lita and Trish to be booked and be the centerpiece of the Raw Women's Division? I don't think Triple H has much say in the matter because I don't really think Triple H has much say in anything anymore. I feel like everything is just kind of slowly reverting back to what it was before June. There's no fucking way Triple H, of all people, would rely on Trish and Lita to focus on in their women's division when he has so many other talents there that he needs to do, uh, make a priority and get over. He needs to do creatively what he's doing with Becky and Lita and Trish with those talents. This sounds like a miserable idea. And listen, I don't want to make it sound like I have a problem with Lita or Trish. I I think they're both great. But focusing on Trish Stratus from now till SummerSlam, I don't don't think that's the, uh, the right way for WWE to attack this creatively. John Cena. John Cena's availability to appear on WWE, apparently is still going to be limited after WrestleMania and his match with Austin Theory. Coming out of his return to WWE TV this past Monday on Raw to set up his match for the United States Championship against Austin Theory at WrestleMania, there's been speculation regarding how much John Cena will be available for WWE to use on television. Now, the original belief was that Cena would not appear on TV for most of the buildup for the match, due to the filming schedule of his new movie, Ricky Stenicki. On Monday, he poked fun at these reports after finishing the shoot earlier than expected. And the same day, he started filming Grand Death Lotto. John Cena is going to be a busy Hollywood guy. This week, it was reported that Cena will be available for television over the next several weeks. However, that report has already been debunked, and that has changed yet again. While speaking on the Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer clarified that Cena won't be on every Raw and SmackDown episode leading up to WrestleMania, as the situation is a case of when Cena is able to appear, he will. So Meltzer says, and I quote, that movie was done on March 4th, Ricky Stenicki. But he's got another movie he's starting up on. So his time is still limited. It's not like he's going to be on TV every Monday or every Friday or anything like that. When he's free, he's free and he'll be there. End quote. Does it really matter if John Cena is on TV from this point on till WrestleMania? 
I mean, I don't even think, after Monday, we don't even need John Cena. I think John Cena did, John Cena did more in 15 minutes with Austin Theory on this past Monday's Raw than most of any of these matches had billed. He's done more by himself to build that match on Monday than all the matches outside of the Bloodline stuff, obviously. All those matches on WrestleMania combined. So does he need to be there? No. We got the gist of what he's doing and what he needed to say to Austin Theory on Monday. You know, we did this same thing with Kevin Owens and Stone Cold Steve Austin. We got a video package of Stone Cold Steve Austin accepting Kevin Owens' challenge to be at WrestleMania. They didn't really give you the idea it was a match. Steve Austin caught a promo, a vignette that that aired. I'll be at the KO show. I'll be at WrestleMania. We'll figure it out there. They left you with a little... uh, a little tease that it could lead to a fight between the two. Other than that, Kevin Owens built the entire feud himself coming out on television, talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin. Was it cheesy? Was it lame? That it was one-sided? Kind of. But Kevin Owens is so fucking good at what he does, he made it work. Let's try that with Austin Theory. Austin Theory is a very good promo. He's going to turn into a very, very, very good promo. Great promo when all is said and done. But let's not act like Austin Theory can't carry himself out there. And let's not act like Austin Theory doesn't get magma-level heat when he's out there. People love to boo him. People love to boo him based on who he is, his attitude, the way he speaks to people, the way he looks. He's a great fucking heel. He's the future of the company. So let's give him the ball to run with it when John Cena's not there. We don't need to rely on John Cena said everything he needed to on Monday. Now let's give it to Austin Theory to kind of lead into WrestleMania over the next couple of weeks and kind of add on to what Cena did because he didn't really get much of anything to say on Monday while Cena fucking absolutely cooked him on Raw. I'm okay with that. And if Cena is available after WrestleMania, God bless us. We should be so lucky that John Cena is available to do something on the Raw after Mania or leading into Backlash or maybe show up at SummerSlam. Who knows? Who knows? Last year, John Cena wrestled once all year. If we get John Cena for two times, three times this year, it's lucky us as a fan base because when Cena's there, things just kind of feel important. Business picks up. When John Cena is there. And I love seeing John Cena on TV because of the level of importance he brings to everything that he does. And outside of Roman Reigns right now, Roman Reigns is getting there. Roman Reigns is a fucking absolute boss. But when John Cena is out there, man, it is unlike anything that WWE has had since he's left. They really haven't recaptured that with anybody. And when Cena is there, man, it is a great thing for us because it's not going to be around that much longer. And John Cena's already stated he doesn't know how much more time he has doing this. So while Cena is there, let's appreciate him a little bit more when we got him. WWE is reportedly meeting with potential buyers after WrestleMania. Now, 2023, you know, there's been a lot in regards to Vince McMahon that's already come out. And it's not even April yet. We've been through three months of this year, and there's been revolving stories about Vince McMahon, the return of Vince McMahon, and things that have happened with him taking back control, using the company for leverage to get back into power, 
And now the sale of the company where Nick Khan is stating that it could take anywhere from three to four months to sell the company. We have WWE finally sitting down with potential buyers to sell the company after WrestleMania. In a recent CNBC article focusing on WWE's attempt to legalize betting on their matches, which we talked about on Thursday's podcast, it was noted by two sources that the company was looking to meet with potential buyers in April in what was described as first-round bids. However, it was also stated that WWE is giving no assurances that a sale will happen, potentially landing WWE in a situation where it remains under its current ownership structure. This is not altogether surprising as WWE itself has claimed that a sale isn't definite. The new information, however, is contradictory to some reports and statements, including some that have been made by WWE CEO Nick Khan. In a January interview with CNBC, Khan stated that he expected the sale process to be quick, even suggesting that it could be complete by April, whereas this new report suggests that will not be the case. The new information also comes at a time when WWE appears to be losing potential bidders instead of gaining them with Endeavor notably suggesting it will not be in the running to buy WWE. Endeavor owns UFC. And they said, and the CEO of Endeavor came out and said that they don't want to add any more debt on top of what they already have. Some people have speculated that the lack of bidders is due to the potentially high price tag, which McMahon reportedly set at $9 billion. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I have been telling you guys, listen, if there's one thing I can teach you this year, if there's one thing I can teach you this year, it's this. And I've said this in every single instance when I talked about Vince McMahon. It is not about the sale of the company. It's not. It's not. Do you want to know what I genuinely feel inside my fucking soul about this? I feel like WWE has already been sold. I do. I think WWE hired Goldman Sachs, whoever the fuck they hired. They hired somebody for their financial reports to get their ducks in a row, right? They hired uh, a bunch of financial people to help with the sale of the company. And they are already in in a situation where I feel like the company's been sold. You know, every, legitimately everybody, everybody came out 
and said that the company was sold to the Saudis. Then that rumor was dead, and that rumor died down. People still, people still, some of the people that reported it as exclusive are still backing their reports that WWE was sold and has been sold, and they're just waiting to announce it, sold to the Saudis. There's a reason why WWE, there's a reason why Vince McMahon put the price tag so high at $9 billion. WWE is putting the price tag at $9 billion because I genuinely feel like the company's already been fucking sold to the Saudis. And nothing's official yet, but I feel like WWE is eventually going to sell to the fucking Saudis. They know they're going to sell to the Saudis. They have a, a fucking deal in place in some which way to sell to the Saudis. And, and, and right now they're just biding their fucking time so that it lines up with where Nick Khan said it will be in April. And here we are with this report leading to April. They're going to hear bids from people. How many people are actually going to bid on WWE at $9 billion? It's almost as if WWE is saying, yeah, well, we don't really want anybody to come close to what the company's actually worth. We want to sell it for $9 billion, and the only fucking people that can do that are the Saudis, which are probably going to offer more than $9 billion. They're going to offer more than what Vince McMahon is asking for. Nick Khan is a bullshit artist. WWE loves to throw the truth at you in plain sight, man. You just got to look for it. You just got to look for it. Nick Khan stating things about Vince McMahon on these various reports and interviews that he's been on. The latest was WWE releasing movie, movie-like posters with all of the superstars that are competing at WrestleMania with the headline directed by Vince McMahon, only to fucking change it when the fans had a fucking heart attack seeing Vince McMahon's name on there, and then they pieced the fucking puzzle together. Well, I thought he was back to sell the fucking company. Meanwhile, he's directing WrestleMania. No, bitch, he's really directing WrestleMania, as you could see by watching the fucking show that Vince McMahon is still in charge. Triple H is only a puppet. Triple H is only there because they need a fall guy. And what does Vince McMahon do better than anybody? Hire fall guys. It's not about the sale of the fucking company. It's not. If WWE doesn't have anybody to buy the company, this is all about Vince McMahon regaining ultimate power. He changed bylaws. He blew up the board of directors. He told the fucking shareholders, fuck off. He wants nothing to do with them. He wants nothing to do with anybody. Vince set the price tag at $9 billion because it's not about the sale of the company. For all we know, Vince doesn't want to sell the company. Why would he want to? I've asked this question multiple times. Why does anybody need to sell the company now when they're doing hand over fist more money than they've ever done before? Record ratings are in. Record revenue sales-wise. Record gate live gates. There's more interest in the product now than there has been in the last 10 years. Is there really a need to sell the company? No, it's not about the sale of the company. Line up the dots. Connect the puzzle. Things that have happened from January till now lead you to one thing. It is not about Vince selling the company. Stephanie said, fuck off. I'm out. Why? Why did she get up and quit the company? Because she knew exactly what was coming. It's not about the sale of the company. They can line up whoever the fuck they want. All of the rumored names are not going to be in contention to buy the company. 
Endeavor's out. Comcast said no. They got some deal where they're trying to merge Warner Discovery. Disney's not buying the company. Got, they got their own fucking problems. Netflix is not buying the company. Amazon got their own problems. They ain't buying the fucking company. Fox. Who's left? Who's left? Tony Khan? Tony Khan is not going to have enough liquid assets to buy the company and maintain the company. Vince is asking for $9 billion. How much is the Khan family worth? About that. They'd be in debt. Shad Khan will be in debt for Tony's fetish for pro wrestling. That's not going to happen. The only bidder left is the Saudis. And who the fuck knows if there isn't a bid in place already and they're just waiting till after WrestleMania to announce this mega news. But don't you think, and listen, this, this rumor was debunked back when it happened and everybody had a fucking stroke online. Don't you think that people putting that news out the way that they did, don't you think that there's smoke to the fire in regards to that? Does nobody believe that it's actually a feasible thing for Vince McMahon to sell to the Saudis? I think it would be a terrible idea. Nobody wants to be in bed with WWE if they sold to the Saudis. I don't think anybody wants to be in bed with Vince McMahon leading the negotiations. For all we know, Vince may be a deterrent for people not wanting to bid on the fucking company. He may actually be having a negative effect, a negative impact on WWE selling the company with him just being there. Knowing what people know about him now and the way he's handled business, I don't know who the fuck would want to do business with him. I know I wouldn't. And if I'm bidding on the company and I'm placing a bid to buy the company, my first order of business is, well, I want to buy this company and you're the fuck out of here. I don't need you. It's not about the sale of the company. It never was. It never was. It never will be. We'll see what happens. It certainly lines up with what Nick Khan said and what a perfect place to do it. WWE is going to be lining up bidders after WrestleMania. Where is WWE going after WrestleMania? They're holding King of the Ring in Saudi Arabia. Sounds like a great fucking place to announce the sale of the company. It's not about the sale, man. It's not. Never was. Speaking of international, another major international show for WWE is in the works. One of WWE's major focuses, and I love this, is to expand the company worldwide with more international shows. A new report suggests that there's traction on WWE's behalf for adding yet another international pay-per-view event sometime in the near future. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that WWE is in negotiations with the Western Australia state government in hopes of setting up Meltzer, in hopes of setting up what Meltzer described as a major stadium show. Meltzer added in his report that he believes the city of Perth would be the likely location of a, of a show given that UFC 284 was just held there. Last month at the RAC Arena, more than 14,000 fans attended that event on par with the crowds at WWE's premium live events within the United States. WWE held its first PLE event 
in Australia back in 2018 when it hosted the Super Showdown show at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, which was headlined by The Undertaker versus Triple H. Oh, my goodness. Man, that seems like it was fucking forever ago now that I just read that. Last December, WWE chairwoman, former WWE chairwoman, I should add, because she quit the company, Stephanie McMahon revealed that the company's new streaming deal with Australia's Foxtel Group would include a plan to host a major live event in the country. Specifically, McMahon noted it would be a stadium event. International is a focus for us, she said. In recent years, WWE has made a major push to book large-scale live events globally. Most notably, WWE obviously holds their crown jewel pay-per-views and others in Saudi Arabia. And that's been since 2018. WWE did Clash of the Castle in Cardiff, Wales this past September. Tremendous show. And WWE just announced, though it's not international, WWE just announced that it is booking a Backlash pay-per-view or a premium live event in San Juan, Puerto Rico, which will be hosted by Bad Bunny. And that's the first time WWE is going to be in Puerto Rico since 2005, New Year's Revolution. And it's going to be crazy, man. It's going to be crazy in San Juan. I love this. I think this is great. I think I'd love to see this more, not only from WWE, I'd love to see this from AEW as well. I love when, because the energy... To me, when you watch these shows, because, I mean, none of us are going to really travel to, you may be from Australia now listening to this, I, I, I don't know, but none of us here in the States are going to travel to Australia to go watch a premium live event in person, but to me, when I am watching these shows from home, the energy is the most important thing to me, man. When, when the fans emit energy, the way that they do on these international shows, it makes the shows that much more enjoyable, that much more memorable, and that much more exciting to watch. I, I, lo I love what WWE's done because this is something, you know, and, and a lot of people, they, they still claim, oh, oh well, what, what has Triple H done to change the show? What has Triple H done to change what he did from Vince McMahon? Now, we don't know how much in charge Triple H really is. We don't know. We don't know how much say he has. We don't know how much Vince McMahon is giving him to run, but he, he is the guy. We are under the belief that he's the guy, he's the figurehead, he's the guy that we hear from when it comes to this type of shit, because he's been asked about this at several media scrums already. W with Triple H, you know, you're already seeing change just in this. How many times have we read reports where Vince never wanted to hear any discussions about holding WrestleMania over in, in the United Kingdom or, or holding a major pay-per-view over in the United Kingdom? He always felt like that pay-per-view primetime spot of 8 p.m. was huge for W. It's got to be, you know, the traditional pay-per-view time slot, 8 p.m., Saturday or Sunday. We can't go overseas. The time zone difference. They use the time zone difference as a crutch, as an excuse. Ah, we can't do it. No, 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 nobody wants to, nobody wants to do that. It's not, it's not uh, in our best interest. Meanwhile, Triple H has done it. How many people watched Clash of the Castle and, and, and cared about what fucking time it aired on, on, on pay-per-view? WWE's got a streaming service with Peacock. They got a streaming deal with Peacock. Who the fuck cares what time it airs? You watch it at 3 p.m. like I do. I go live. I talk about it. You don't watch it. You watch it when you watch it. Who gives a fuck? You're not paying $70 for this fucking shit anymore. 
Who gives a shit? But Vince McMahon never wanted to hear it. I love it. I think it's great. It gives the WWE an opportunity. To, how many times have they... They've never visited Australia since 2018 for a major televised show. It's 2023. Five years. They haven't been there in five years. Imagine they go sometime this year at the end of the year, sometime in 2024. Great. Great. And the best thing of all, because I know people are still asking for it, this is eventually going to open the doorways for WWE to possibly put a bid for a city or have that city, whoever the city is, to put a bid, place a bid on WWE to host WrestleMania overseas. This is going to open the door for WWE to take WrestleMania overseas. Wouldn't that be a big fucking deal? For two nights? Imagine WrestleMania in the United Kingdom for two nights. I would absolutely love that. This is one of WWE's best moves that they've done, which is open up the gates, open up the doors for more international shows to happen in their pay-per-view calendar year. The Undertaker. We mentioned The Undertaker during the Super Showdown show back in 2018 when he wrestled in the main event with Triple H. The Undertaker was interviewed by Ariel Hawani. <laughs> what? Oh, Ariel Hawani. Undertaker finally opens up to Ariel Hawani about his WrestleMania streak being broken. I have always been under the impression that the Undertaker streak should have never been broken. Never. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I, I feel like the Undertaker streak should have never been broken. Undertaker revealed to Ariel Hawani that were that there were two other names that were considered to break his undefeated WrestleMania streak. This is what he said to Ariel Hawani. By the time we got to WrestleMania, we pretty much knew what was going to go down. But there were a few people, I guess, that he wanted to have break the streak. Vladimir Kozlov was one of the names. It was early on. And Vince wanted Edge to break the streak. But Edge said no and refused. He said, no, I can't do it. That's how much he respected the shriek and me and what the shriek meant to the business. I didn't know that at that time. I didn't know that until years after. That says a lot about the human being that Edge is. Then he was asked if Brock Lesnar should have said no to ending the shriek. Now, a lot of people we're probably thinking the same thing. Maybe Brock Lesnar should have had a little bit more respect for The Undertaker and said no to breaking the streak. What if Lesnar said no? What if Lesnar was not in that match at WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans? What if it was somebody else? The Undertaker wouldn't have had a concussion. The Undertaker would have actually had a WrestleMania match worthy of being a WrestleMania match. The match wouldn't have fell flat and the ending the way that it happened with Brock Lesnar would not be a talking point right now. And that is the whole basis of why people feel like the streak was ruined. But you can't help getting in there as a performer what's going to happen to you. You can't blame that on The Undertaker and you can't blame that on Brock Lesnar. 
Shit happens. It was just the way things fell that night. You can't blame it on either one of those guys. But imagine if Brock Lesnar wasn't in the ring with The Undertaker, how much different things would be now in 2023 looking back at it. The streak may still be alive. The streak would never have been broken, possibly. It's hard to say in regards to Brock. I don't think Brock needed it. Brock never needed it. I don't know why anybody thought Brock Lesnar needed the streak. Fans around the world leading up to it were so enamored by the streak because it was used as not only a WrestleMania driving force, giving WrestleMania a marquee match outside of the main event of WrestleMania. It made WrestleMania mean something on top of what WrestleMania means to everybody as the biggest show of the year. It created a spectacle within the spectacle. It created something that could be used as a vehicle to get new talent over, new faces in there at that primetime slot against The Undertaker. It was almost as if it was bigger than the championship. That's the whole, the whole aura of the streak. Did Brock need that? No. Brock never needed it. Brock was an attraction outside the streak. Brock was an attraction without the streak. Still is an attraction. Does anybody talk about the streak and Brock Lesnar breaking the streak now? No. Because Brock Lesnar has gone on to do things and continue to do things and get in there in primetime spots and wrestle major, major, major names. And him having the streak, it's almost as if it means really nothing to him. It's never talked about. It's never boasted about. What it did for Brock Lesnar was nothing. What it could have done for a Bray Wyatt or somebody else that was just CM Punk and Edge could have meant the world to them at that time. But no, WWE had to give it to Brock Lesnar. There's a reason why they gave it to Brock Lesnar. Not only the relationship that Undertaker and Brock Lesnar have outside of the WWE as friends, but WWE looked at the shriek as, well, if we're going to give it to Brock, it's legitimate enough to put it on Brock and everybody's going to believe it. But The Undertaker was deteriorating at that time anyway. It wouldn't be that far-fetched for somebody to beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Why did it have to be, oh my God, it's Lesnar, the MMA guy. He's Brock Lesnar. It didn't need to be that. I would have believed Punk beating The Undertaker. What difference does it fuck? I would have, be, I would have believed Bray Wyatt beating The Undertaker. Who gives a fuck? I don't know... That it enhanced him anymore, says The Undertaker. I think it would have been great for Roman if Brock hadn't already done it. Now, it, it, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked with Roman. It would not have worked with Roman at all. Because you would be in a situation where if The Undertaker was undefeated by the time he wrestled Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 33, he would have been absolutely eaten alive by the fan base. You had Roman Reigns in that moment as the guy that the fans looked down upon so much that they were sick of him to a point where I can't watch this fucking show. They were spoon-feeding him so much down people's throats that if Roman Reigns beat The Undertaker WrestleMania 33, it would have been a fucking absolute failure in every which way. You would, you would have automatically had to turn him heel at that point. Do you guys remember the reaction he got on the Monday Night Raw following WrestleMania 33? It was one of the greatest reactions that I've ever seen in any WWE element setting, period. 
I still go back and watch that shit. One of my favorite Monday Night Raw moments ever was that crap. Roman said nothing. Roman literally said not a single word for eight minutes, and you heard every single wrestling chant that there ever was, that ever existed in that segment. If you are a video game developer and you need wrestling chants, go and listen to that segment. Every single thing you need for your video game soundtrack-wise is in that segment. Absolutely incredible. You would have automatically, you you would have had no choice but to turn him heel after that if he he did beat the, The Undertaker for the streak. It's hard to say Brock didn't need it. I don't know if it enhanced him anymore. It would have been great for Roman. It would have been a huge thing for Roman. I don't know that it meant the same to Brock as it would have meant to Roman or anybody else who would have done it because Brock had already been there. Brock had already gone off to the UFC. He already had all these major accomplishments. I think it could have helped somebody else. Vince McMahon wanted the streak over because that was the first year where WWE finally said, you know what, we got the WWE Network up and running. We need to give people a reason to sign up to the WWE Network. WWE, this is what I believe. You guys can sit there and believe me uh, and and what I say here about this or not. You, you, You may have your own take on it. I think WWE used the streak as a vehicle for shock and awe to sell network subscriptions for the WWE Network that just launched that year. That's what I believe. Oh, you got to sign up for the WWE Network to watch all of our major shows, including WrestleMania. If you don't, there you go. You're going to miss out on history-making moments like this. Was it history-making? Sure. Was it the right guy? No. Did it need to end? No. WWE hasn't had anything like that happen and will never have anything like that happen at WrestleMania again, ever. It should not have went to Brock Lesnar. If there was one man that should have ended the streak, if there was one story that should have ended the streak, if there was one moment in which the streak should have ended, it should have been at WrestleMania 25. It should have been Shawn Michaels, light versus dark. That match, that Undertaker losing to Shawn Michaels in that match, in that element, with that crowd, that should have been the end of the streak. If the streak went over in that match, if Michaels beat The Undertaker in that match for the streak, I don't think anybody, there'd be not a single fucking soul that has a problem with The Undertaker's streak ending on that night. Do you want to know why they have a problem with it ending to Brock Lesnar? Because he didn't deserve it. He didn't des- the match sucked. He got a concussion. The match was so terrible. And the only thing that people remember is what happened during the match with The Undertaker getting concussed and then being pinned one, two, three after three sloppy-looking F5s because The Undertaker was already out of it at that point. And that kid's reaction, that, you know, that shock fucking fan that they got viral images of for years and years and years. Shawn Michaels. Is he the youngster that everybody thinks should have ended the streak? No. But I'm talking about the match itself. Did Bray Wyatt deserve the streak? Looking back at it, if Bray Wyatt won the... If Bray Wyatt beat Undertaker for the streak and he got fired, what good would it have done? How would that have enhanced Bray Wyatt? You gotta, you gotta look at what happened in the lineage. If Bray Wyatt beat the Undertaker for the streak and then he got fired, what good was the streak? What good was the streak? That would have ultimately fired the guy that beat the Undertaker and then that would have rendered the streak meaningless. CM Punk, they fired him too. Who else was there 
in the lineage of guys that wrestled The Undertaker. I wrestled Batista. That was a great match. I, don't, I didn't want Batista to beat The Undertaker of the Shriek. Triple H, Randy Orton. Randy Orton could have ended it, but The Shriek took on a life of its own after that WrestleMania match with Randy. Randy Orton was never going to get it at that young age. Who, who else? Who else was going to wrestle The Undertaker of the Shriek and beat him? John Cena could have been one. John Cena versus The Undertaker realistically should have happened at WrestleMania 30. That was the moment for that match to happen, and WWE dropped the ball on that. That's when that should have happened. Now, I'm not saying John Cena should have beat The Undertaker for the streak, but I'm saying that John Cena versus The Undertaker would have been one of those matches where you would have been pissing your fucking pants that the WWE was legitimately going to give it to John Cena because at that point, Cena was still very much hated. And he just brings that level of unpredictability to a match. Like, oh my God, they're going to really give it to John Cena. But after everything that we just talked about, there was no perfect... Looking back at it, there's no better setting than Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. Not one. The, the next one, the next one after that would have been Shawn Michaels being the special guest referee in that Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker and Triple H. That was the only other time... I would have accepted the shriek ending at WrestleMania just because Shawn Michaels wasn't involved in that match. And we know what it meant to him. He wrestled The Undertaker 25, lost. Put his career on the line at 26, lost. And then goes into a Hell in a Cell match, appointed the special guest referee. It was a a story that you couldn't fucking write any better. That was the only other time I would have loved the shriek to be broken right there, but... Even that and how great that match was with Shawn Michaels and that super kick trying to end it for his best friend because he couldn't do it. I mean, the streak should have never ended. Looking back at it, the streak should have never... If they went with that Lesnar, you would have you should have just preserved it at that point. There was no point at all. No point. So The Undertaker actually opened up about that. I didn't know Vladimir Kozlov was... Somebody that he had brought to Vince McMahon's desk as, yeah, I want Kozlov, maybe him. Vladimir Kozlov? Was he even in the company at the fucking time? Undertaker also continued to explain that the day of WrestleMania 30, he was told that he was still going over. When I got there that day, I was still going over. It was early in the afternoon. I remember sitting in the dressing room and came in And as soon as he came in, I knew what it was. He changed the finish. I gave him my spiel and what I thought. It wasn't no for the sake of not wanting to do the job. It was no in the sense that I didn't feel Brock needed it. Vince's counter was, if not Brock, then who beats you? Then he goes on to say Vince can sell ice to an Eskimo. But that doesn't mean Vince McMahon's always right. I brought up as many points as I thought. Like, long-term, looking down the road. Vince, his deal, too, is who down the road? At that point, I'm year to year. I don't know when I'm going to pull the trigger and say enough's enough. So I think he wanted to make sure he got that. I don't think he ever envisioned that character riding off into the sunset with a perfect record. Vince McMahon used the shriek as a catalyst to sell WWE Network subscriptions. That's That's what it boils down to. Because if The Undertaker went went into that locker room the day of going over Lesnar, something changed. Something changed. 
something went off in Vince's mind in that 11th hour that they needed to do something big. And that's the only thing I could really conjure up. Why would you, why would you, why would you change the finish on something that's been so dead set for the last 20 years? Taker said this. He concluded on reflecting if he believed that he should have ever called it a career undefeated at WrestleMania, saying this. I don't know when I'm going to call it a day, but if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it for somebody. Like I said, it would be very impactful for that person's career. Selfishly, I mean, that would have been great to walk off being undefeated, but that's not how the business goes. There's a lot of people through the years that laid down for me to help build me and the mystique of my character. So it's only natural and only right to pay it forward. The business itself is bigger than one character. Brock was worthy of it. He was a huge draw at this point, so I don't think that it helped him the way it would have helped, say, Roman Reigns at the time. He also talked about an argument that he got into with uh, Vince McMahon after Vince, or before Vince, was about to go on social media and claim he retired. He says this in regards to Vince McMahon and the conversation that he had the day he retired. He called me the day before he announced it, and we got into an argument because I thought he was ribbing me. I said, there's no way. There is absolutely no way you're stepping away. He was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm like, why are you fucking with me? This is me. We ended up going at it a little bit. Finally, I was like, all right, okay, sure enough, the next day Vince resigned. Resigned quote-unquote, but I knew there's no way he'd stay away. Even in this role, I think it's going to be challenging for him. I mean, that's his baby, man. He's the one that created this whole thing. I know he wants to make sure these TV deals and everything are done the right way. Right now, that's his sole motivation, but that's Vince McMahon. I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but a WWE without Vince, for me, it's hard to imagine. A WWE without Vince McMahon, for me, is very easy to imagine. Vince and Undertaker are like this. So you're never going to hear a bad thing out of the Undertaker's mouth when it comes to Vince McMahon. He believes his sole motivation is to sell the company. I believe his sole motivation is not to sell the company and to just pretend like it's on sale. And if there is someone that he's going to sell it to, he's going to be the one to facilitate it and be in charge. That's his only goal. We've talked about this for months. You're not going to hear any other narrative from Mark Calloway. AEW. Warner Brothers Discovery rumored to have finalized a third television show for all elite wrestling. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't like the thought of that. I don't like the sound of that. There is a positive that comes out of that, though. There is a huge positive that comes out of finalizing a third television show. You know, if you, if you go browse and peruse on social media, you, you will see the narrative of, oh, oh AEW's failing. AEW is about to go under. AEW is dead. AEW is about to get canceled off of Warner Brothers Discovery. You go on social media and, and you look at these fucking slobbery, fat, 
neckbeard virgins who do nothing but jerk off to anime all day long. They're anime porn all day long. And, and watch pro wrestling that don't do anything for this generation. They don't bring in any money. They don't have any fucking kids. They don't have any sole purpose in life but to hate on people and hate on AEW on Twitter. If you go on Twitter, these are the people that are claiming AEW should be canceled. Apparently, AEW is not canceled because if Warner Brothers Discovery is finalizing yet another hour of television for Tony Khan, they are anything but dead. That's number one. Number two, this is coming from Andrew Zarian and the Matt Men podcast. According to Zarian... All Elite Wrestling and Warner Brothers Discovery are closing in on a deal to add a third AEW wrestling show. It's going to be similar to Friday's Rampage. That's the problem right there. You're asking me, well, JD, why don't you, why don't you want more hours of television? That's the problem right there. Similar to Friday's Rampage. If we need to do anything, we need to move away from it being similar to AEW Rampage with a one-hour runtime. Zarian didn't know when the untitled show was going to be announced, but he noted that fans should expect the news to come within the next month. This is from Fightful. They say, and I quote, Andrew Zarian of Matt Men Radio reported that AEW could be getting another hour of television on Saturdays. Top talent haven't been briefed on this, if this is the case, but the popular rumor, while unconfirmed, is that they will end up with the 6 p.m. time slot or 6.05 time slot, which was used by WCW Saturday night. Now, while it will be the third wrestling show for AEW, it will technically be their fourth show on Warner Brothers Discovery. The third is the promotion's new reality TV series that will be debuting on March 29th called All Access. The reality TV series was first announced on the February 22nd edition of Dynamite, and that will also coincide with a Dynamite before that, which will see the in-ring return of Adam Cole Bay Bay. Each all-access episode is going to be following AEW stars on a week-to-week basis. The show will be featuring several AEW talent, including Sammy Guevara, Tay Mello, The Young Bucks, Eddie Kingston, Adam Cole, Britt Baker, Wardlow, Soraya, and Tony Khan is also going to be featured on the show. All Access is the second reality TV series that AEW and Warner Brothers Discovery have done. The first was in 2021 with former AEW stars Cody and Brandy Rhodes called Rhodes to the Top. Overall, it will be interesting to see when the show will be airing as well as the name. AEW has trademarked, there was a report going around that AEW has trademarked AEW Collision. Now, that could be the name of the show. It may end up being the name of the show for this Saturday night show. WWE, or not not WWE, AEW have also announced the All Elite Women trademark as well. So, AEW has trademarked Collision and All Elite Women. Those potentially could be the names of the shows. We could get a WCW-like Saturday night show with Collision. This could be an all-women's show, for all we know. We don't know. We don't know. But those two trademarks right now are in use for AEW, and either one of those names will probably end up being the name, more likely Collision, for this Saturday night show. 
don't want to see this happen. I don't. The best case scenario here is that AEW is going to put on another hour of television and get more people on television that haven't been featured on a weekly basis, more opportunities for people to get work in and do that type of thing with this new television show. Fine. They need more hours of television. They're going to get more hours of television because Warner Brothers Discovery believes in the AEW product. And this is obviously going to enhance the contract talks because they're in a contract negotiation year. And with them adding another hour of television, more than likely they are staying on with Warner Brothers Discovery and they're probably going to be rewarded handsomely with a renewal for TV rights. This is great. This is great for the company. AEW being around is best for business. AEW being around is great for the wrestling industry. It gives more people an opportunity to find work. We need that alternative to WWE because nobody wants an industry run by WWE only where they monopolize the entire company or the entire industry, which is being run by one company and you have no other destinations to really go. AEW seems to be, and I want to use the term very welcoming, They've opened their forbidden door to a lot of different promotions. You see people from New Japan. You see people from DDT. You see people from Stardom. You see people from Impact. And WWE is not like that. They don't play well with others. They are very closed-minded. They, they, their doors are locked. AEW is the true alternative to what WWE is in the sense that they've opened their doors to allow others to come on in and find work. During the pandemic, AEW Dark was the most important wrestling show in the entire industry because AEW had their own foundation. They had their own building in Daly's place to use during the pandemic, which then opened its doors for independent wrestlers to find work on AEW television. Yes, it's YouTube, but they opened their doors to all independent workers who could not wrestle during the pandemic because no indie shows were running. AEW did things for the business that WWE could never. So when people tell me or when people say on social media, AEW is, is dead or AEW is this or AEW is that, they don't really think about what AEW has done and what AEW meant to the business during the pandemic and what AEW means to the business in general. So there is positive when it comes to AEW being around. The, the death of AEW is largely exaggerated on social media. So yes, more opportunities are great. I'm not here to talk about more opportunities. We are well beyond more opportunities. I think we deserve better. Dynamite at two hours is largely the best wrestling show during your weeks, whether you want to believe that or not. Dynamite has been absolutely banger for most of this year. There have been some duds. I'm not saying it's been a perfect show, and AEW is not a perfect promotion. Dynamite's not a perfect show by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, they got their problems. There's not really a, a, a stance. There's not really a focus on long-term booking and long-term storytelling. AEW does things for the sake of booking matches and nothing more. Things have happened with their mid-card championships. Talent not being used. Their women's division continues to not really be where it needs to be. There are problems there in AEW. And you would know that if you listen to us on Wednesday. 
We call all this shit out. It's not about opportunities anymore. It's about making things right, making things feel more organized, and really getting AEW to a point where their weekly television shows flow between one into the next, and then into the next week, into Dynamite, into whatever they got to do next with Rampage, and then what, whatever you know happens the following week, and rinse and repeat. There needs to be a flow of consistency with AEW television, and right now, there is no flow and there is no consistency. Whether Tony Khan wants to admit it or not, whether you are a fan of their product and you want to admit it or not, the only world that exists right now is what happens on Dynamite. Fans have largely tuned out to AEW Rampage. Content creators like myself, and this is a very small bubble, I'm not really using this as an example, but content creators like myself have stopped covering Rampage because of the unimportance the show brings to the overall AEW experience. There's nothing, that, there's nothing important that happens on that show. There's no major matches that I got to go out and watch on a weekly basis. I'm not going to sit down and watch something because it's AEW. If, it's, if there is no importance behind anything happening on the show, and it doesn't really matter for what happens going into Dynamite, and I get a sense that, oh, I could miss Rampage. If I do, I'm not going to really miss anything on Dynamite. I could get caught up on Dynamite. I'm not going to go out there and watch the show. The last time Rampage had anything memorable happening, and I swear on my grandfather's tomb, the last thing anything happened on Rampage that was even close to being important was when Christian Cage beat Kenny Omega for the Impact Championship on the debut episode. That was it. That was the only thing. And and CM Punk obviously making his return on, on the first dance. There's nothing that happened on that show since then that I could sit here and tell you, oh yeah, that was a great rampage moment. There's been banger matches. There's been great matches. But what does it mean in the grand scheme of things? It happens on that Friday night and then is largely forgotten about. What is adding another hour of television on a Saturday night going into the summer going to do for AEW? Do you know what this is going to do? It's going to open AEW up to more criticisms. It's going to open AEW up to being criticized even more so. The ratings aren't going to be where it needs to be. Do you honestly think that Collision or whatever the fucking show is going to be called on Saturday during the summer is going to have any ratings increase over what we see on Friday night with Rampage in the middle of the fucking... Who's what? Seriously, I want you you to ask yourselves these questions. Are you going to drop everything you're doing during the summer months on Saturday night at 6 p.m. to stop what you're doing and go watch... Oh, I gotta watch AEW Collision. Are you fucking serious? Are you serious? Nobody is going to watch this show. Nobody. This is a completely miserable and terrible idea. All it's going to do is add on top of the fucking criticisms of Tony Khan and AEW with one hour on Saturday night, and that is it. Why don't you fix what is broken with what you have now instead of adding more to the problems that are broken? Why don't we fix Rampage first? 
I mean, I don't know what the fuck is being discussed between Tony Khan, AEW, and Warner Discovery. Why don't we fix what is wrong now? Instead of adding more problems. What really needs to happen? I swear, I swear to God, what really needs to happen is... And yes, they will be calling it AEW Implosion. Yes, Eric Newton in the chat. That's exactly what it's going to be called. AEW Implosion. Never mind Collision. AEW needs Rampage off of Friday night. I don't know how many people have... I've been saying this since fucking a year now. AEW needs to take Rampage off of Friday night. They need to remove that show from that terrible time slot of 10 o'clock. AEW needs to make Rampage a live two-hour show on Thursday. I don't get what the problem is. Live television on Wednesday, live television on Thursday. That's it. Dynamite on Wednesday, Rampage on Thursday. Simple. You want to add a one-hour television show that's going to be similar to what we see with Rampage. What does that mean? Do we have to sit through another tape show where we hear spoilers two weeks in advance? Do we got to watch another collision show one hour taped with Excalibur and everything feeling rushed on the show? Another platform for Tony Khan to add his fucking dream matches to. That nobody's going to care. That don't factor into storylines, overdubbed crowds, fucking manufactured energy coming from the show. In the middle of the summer at 6 o'clock. Yo, my God, yeah. Oh, man, I'm at the beach with my fucking feet in the sand and a cooler of fucking cold beverages. Uh, Listen, I got to get up, guys. I got to get up and go watch Collision at 6 p.m. on TBS. You got to be out of your fucking mind. Out of your fucking mind. Rampage needs to be live. If this show is taped, keep it. We're living in a day and age where AEW is producing taped content. WWE's live on Monday. WWE's live on Tuesday. WWE's live on Friday. You don't see WWE tape any shows unless they are going overseas for a taped episode of Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. Or if they got something going on at the Performance Center where they got to tape NXT shows for a couple of weeks. I don't believe Warner Discovery is asking AEW for taped content. You got you, Clearly, you want them on the fucking network. Why don't you make it a better experience for us? As a, Who wants to watch a taped show? Who? You like watching that garbage on Friday taped? As soon as I hear it, it's, it's a taped show. As soon as I see, the, the, just the fucking look of it, it's a taped show. I don't want to watch a taped show. Who's going to watch a taped show? Oh, I could catch the spoilers on the Observer. I can read the, the, uh, the spoilers on the fucking dirt sheet. Uh, nothing big happened. I ah, fuck it. I'll, I'll just de- I'll DVR it. I'll watch it on fucking Sunday in my underwear right before work for an hour. Who gives a shit? You're gonna add collision to set. Is it gonna be taped? That's what I want to know. First thing. Two hours of rampage on Thursday should be what is being discussed. Now I said this on social media. I do not want this to happen. I do not want this to happen. But I swear to God, I swear to God, this would be better 
than giving me another taped hour of television at 6.05 that factors into nothing for AEW. I would take this, what I'm about to tell you, over this, over this collision show potentially on Saturday. I would take a live third hour of Dynamite. Now, I don't want Dynamite to go three. I think three hours is fucking terror. Nobody wants to watch anything. Monday Night Raw is the one thing we complain about. It's three hours, too long. But I mean, AEW's got the fucking manpower. AEW's got the roster. AEW, AEW to me, AEW is in a better position to do three hours live than WWE does with a split roster. And nobody can tell me otherwise. Nobody could sit here and say, oh, JD's full of shit. JD hates Monday Night Raw three hours, but he doesn't, he doesn't care for AEW being three hours. No, I don't want to hear about I'm hypocritical. I don't want to hear that I'm changing my stand. AEW with the overloaded roster has a better equipped show for three hours than a split, brand split, WWE operating with Raw and SmackDown split. On Raw, you'd see the same fucking matches every fucking week. AEW has how many different which ways can give you whatever matches on on Wednesday night? Not to say that I want to see it happen, but I would rather that than give me another one hour of meaningless television during the summer months at at 6 p.m. on Saturday taped. That's similar to Rampage. It's almost as if Warner Brothers Discovery wants to fucking embarrass AEW. Three hours killed Nitro. I get it. Three hours from Monday Night Raw killed Monday Night Raw. I don't, I'm not telling you I want it. But if there is an option, I may go with that until they decide to do two hours of Rampage Live on Thursday. I don't get it. I I really don't get this move. If we want more AEW television, it's got to make sense. I don't want you to add AEW television for the sake of adding AEW to... Oh, yeah, we need more AEW television. What are you going to do to make it worthwhile for me to watch? You haven't even done that with the show you have now on Friday night. You've done nothing to make it mean anything. Everything that happens on that show largely is irrelevant. Nothing that happens on that show bleeds into dynamite for any relevancy or importance at all. And now you want me to go out of my way and watch the same type of show on Saturday night with the same type of vibe of if I miss it, I'm not missing anything. That's the only, it's the only night where you could see Takeshita and uh, whomever on fucking collision. Give me a break with this shit, please. What an awful, awful, awful idea. They've gotten so much wrong The fact that they are possibly contemplating this on top of what is wrong now is mind-boggling to me. They're not perfect. Let's fix what is wrong now before we start making more problems. GCW. Apparently, they are opposing the AEW Fight Forever trademark. You believe this story? I don't believe I read this. I'm like, yeah, the game is going to be coming out hopefully at the end of March. Maybe going into May. 
Maybe before Double or Nothing. Meanwhile, we got GCW, the indie mud show itself, stopping the game from releasing because they are opposing the Fight Forever chant and name. GCW is opposing this Fight Forever trademark. They filed to oppose the trademark on March 1st, although they requested a 90-day extension to oppose it formally. Wrestling Inc. first reported the news on Friday. The United States Patent and Trademark Office granted that extension. According to documents, GCW's opposition appeal notes, the promotion is currently engaged in settlement discussions with AEW. It should be noted that GCW held one show in January of 2021 entitled Fight Forever, which lasted 24 hours. In 2022, GCW filed for its trademark to the name, and a few months later, AEW filed its trademark for it. GCW, in an official capacity, I don't know if GCW does anything officially, they told Fightful in regards to AEW, GCW, Fight Forever on the situation. They say, and I quote, as co-producers of the charity event in January 2021, I know both sides were negotiating in good faith to make sure everyone could continue to use the mark without impediment. Didn't get sorted in time and lawyers filed an extension. They are not suing AEW or attempting to delay the video game, but... They actually are, because rumors suggest that the game was supposed to be coming out before the 90-day window in which they extended this lawsuit, or this case, this trademark case. In a response to a fan regarding the situation, GCW owner Brett Lauderdale noted on Twitter that GCW has never and will never ask for a dollar of Tony Khan's money. The video game recently got its ESRB rating after needing to scale back on the blood featured in it as it was recently given a T for teen rating for their video game Fight Forever. I mean, listen, man, I'm not a fan of GC. After that one show that I ordered at Hammerstein Ballroom where I was just completely and utterly embarrassed that I even fucking bought the goddamn thing, I even went live after the fucking show was over, man. That show was garbage. Never in my life will I order another GCW show ever again. I'll go watch a GCW show live in person because it's it's a waste of my fucking time. I need some time to kill. Let me go watch a GCW show in Atlantic City. I live a few blocks away from usually where they hold their shows. So I'm not a big fan of, of, of GCW. And I don't... I don't trust a carny like Brett Lauderdale to, to, to say anything remotely close to the truth at all. They, they, they want to trademark. For, it's, it's funny. It's funny to me how they, they want to trademark Fight Forever, a chant that has been predated to exist before GCW and AEW were even a fucking thought in anybody's head. They want to trademark a chant that predates both companies combined. This is the same company in which their world champion has their theme music. Their world champion comes out to For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. And this is the fucking company 
that wants to now trademark Fight Forever, talking about trademarks, on top of other IPs that they've eventually stolen from rap artists and music titles of songs to name their events. They want to claim trademark for Fight Forever. I mean, tell me what I'm telling lies. GCW is the indie ECW wannabe mud show garbage. They've been embroiled in things where I've heard people claim that there isn't a proper medical staff on site when they got glass being splattered everywhere in death matches. People bleeding profusely. There's no fucking medical staff at half their fucking shows. They got the incident where Lauderdale was, uh, I guess, thrown under the bus and ousted for faking COVID tests. During the pandemic, they were holding shows. I asked myself, how the fuck is these, how were these people running shows during the goddamn pandemic? And, and, and you come to find out that they were faking COVID tests. You want me to believe GCW in regards to this? Oh, yeah, we don't want a dime of Tony Khan's money. That may be the case, but you certainly ain't doing any favors to Tony Khan and the fan base who are waiting for this eagerly anticipated game to come out. All this did is put GCW's name in bad standing with most of the AEW fans. And that's the audience that you may want to attract. Because the game now is going to be delayed because they want to trademark Fight Forever. They want to trademark Fight Forever for potential use in, in the future. I'm sorry, did you have any plan to use Fight Forever after your January 2021 event? I don't think so. If they had a fucking use for the title, they would have done it already in the last two years. We've had two years pass, and not one instance, not one iota of an event remotely close to Fight Forever. It was a COVID show for 24 hours to give fans a little reality break from what is going on in the real world from COVID. That's all it was. Now I got to listen that they want to use it for future trademarks. Give me a fucking break. You couldn't come up with any other name or any other title for your event. You needed, you, you needed Fight Forever, right? What a fucking lowbrow, carny move. I totally expect GCW to do something like this, and here we are. If the game is delayed, you know who to blame. Early estimate for AEW Revolution pay-per-view buys. Dave Meltzer is reporting that the early estimated pay-per-view buys for Revolution will fall between 120,000 and 130,000 pay-per-view buys. Meltzer stated that the hope was that it would do close to about 137,000 because Full Gear did 137 because of the strong word of mouth for the show causing late buys. Meltzer wrote, right now, I'd go with 120 to 130. That will probably grow just under a little over 130 with late buys. The show did take place after the UFC pay-per-view headline by John Jones, one of the UFC's biggest Raws in his return, heavyweight debut fight, which he won. Last year's revolution was the highest pay-per-view buy rate in company history with an estimated buy rate of up to 170,000 plus, according to Meltzer. The show was headlined by Adam Page versus Adam Cole for the AW World title and the fabled dog collar match with CM Punk and MJF. Do you know what they're missing? 
120 to 130,000 buys, man, a little low for Revolution compared to last year. You know what they're missing? Phil Brooks. You want those pay-per-view numbers to go back up? There you go. You know what else you could do? Maybe not book a pay-per-view and announce a pay-per-view card two weeks before the actual pay-per-view takes place. How about we get some long-term investment in storylines outside of one match? Brian and MJF was the only long-term angle that consistently played out on television. Everything else was booked haphazardly. Jungle Boy and Christian Cage was a long-term angle, but Christian Cage was out and off of television for six to seven months. They booked the match legitimately when Christian Cage came back and was cleared to go put it on the show. Great match, but it wasn't something that we consistently seen built up on television during this particular build, during this particular pay-per-view build. How about some long-term booking? How about some long-term investment over storylines, which would get people excited to buy the pay-per-view? Now, granted, AEW Revolution was the best revolution that AEW's ever put on. It was the best AEW pay-per-view possibly ever. But that does not take away from the wrong that happened in the build. Tremend- it may go down as one of the best pay-per-views of the year, period. The best pay-per-view of the year. We're going to get into a few more stories here, guys. We're going to get into a few more stories. We got a lot to go still. I'm going to check in on the chat, check on how you guys are doing. You guys need refills. You guys need a smoke break. You guys need a cereal break. How about a nice snack break, man? Tonight's show is sponsored by Magic Spoon. MagicSpoon.com is sponsoring the show tonight. And I love me some Magic Spoon, man. I want you guys to imagine. And you guys know the QR code is still there. I want you guys to imagine your breakfast, man, when you were a little child. I want you guys to think about the taste and your favorite cereal growing up, man. You were so excited. Most of you aren't eating that type of thing anymore. Maybe you are. But how about you replace that nostalgia and that taste with something that tastes almost exact to what you remember? That's where Magic Spoon comes in, man. Magic Spoon is cereal reinvented. Make sure you guys go to magicspoon.com. Use the code SCRIPTS or go to magicspoon.com slash script and save $5 off your purchase of Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon brings you a high-protein treat that tastes like you remember and you can eat at any time in the day. The adult and inner child in you is going to love these tasty, never-boring flavors And you won't believe they are actually zero grams of sugar, man. High in protein, 13 to 14 grams of protein per serving, keto-friendly, zero grams of sugar, gluten-free, grain-free, natural flavors, no artificial colors or sweeteners. It is simply wholesome. And what I love, it's simple, man. It really is simple. 
I have Magic Spoon almost daily before I go see my guy, Dr. Evil Genius, in the gym, man. I know that I feel good going into the gym because I had a healthy breakfast and had something that is going to keep me going throughout my two-hour workout, man. I want you guys to feel the same. Build your own very own variety box. Use that code SCRIPT for $5 off or scan the QR code you see on screen right now. You guys can choose from best-selling flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, cookies and cream, which is my favorite, and maple waffle flavors, plus awesome other flavors, including honey nut, blueberry muffin, birthday cake, and cinnamon roll. You guys can even add the cookies and cream and cocoa peanut butter flavored cereal bars to your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 100% guarantee. So if you don't like it, they'll refund you your money, no questions asked. And also for my British and Canadian fans, Magic Spoon also ships to Canada and the United Kingdom. Scan the QR code on screen right now. Use that code script for $5 off or go to magicspoon.com slash script to save $5 off your order today. And I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the podcast right here on Off the Script. Gotta love me some Magic Spoon, man. Gotta love it. I love it. Moving on with the rest of the show. We got some news on the Elite. AEW clearly wants to keep the Elite. They want to keep Kenny. They want to keep Matt and Nick. They are working on long-term deals for several of their top guys. It's a big year. Contract year for TNT, TBS, And their founding fathers are about to become free agents. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are now in a position where they will have to decide whether to stay with AEW, a company that they've helped launch, or jump to the rival WWE. As previously reported, Kenny Omega's AEW contract would have already expired if not for the time he missed to last year's injury to heal various injuries. Time has been added to that deal. Now all three deals are slated to expire later this year. Dave Meltzer reports that AW wants to sign them to new deals before becoming free agents. Meltzer says, in an update, after all of the hysteria on social media, AEW is working on signing the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega to new long-term deals well before they become free agents. They could already be in discussions as we speak. The Elite recently lost the AW Trio Championships to the House of Black. They're slated to take on the Jericho Appreciation Society and the House of Black on Dynamite on Wednesday in a trio's triple threat match. That is what they need to do. That is their priority right now. Nothing else. You do not want to lose Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks to WWE. Otherwise, it may be a blow that they will never come back from. Some people may be happy that they end up in WWE. Some people don't even want the elite in AEW. I can't envision Kenny and the Young Bucks away from AEW. You can't have all elite wrestling without the elite. It's just it's just stupid. Will they be able to survive? Probably. They got so much talent there, and their doors will always be open to bring other people in to fill those spots, obviously. But you, you, you don't want to lose your founding fathers in a year where they have re-ups for TV rights, a video game coming out, and WWE right now looking to poach all of their EVPs in what is the hottest run WWE's been on in the last 10 years. You don't want that. It would be an embarrassing look for Tony Khan to lose the Elite in a, in a year where he's got to re-up TV rights deals and negotiate with Warner Discovery. You don't want that to happen. Nobody wants that to happen. 
make it a priority, get it done, pay these guys what you want, and leave them to do what they need to do to make the company better. Simple. No questions asked. It's a non-story outside that. Just get it done. Jade Cargill. I don't believe I'm talking about Jade Cargill, but here we are. Mystery opponent on Dynamite. Taya Valkyrie. And Taya Valkyrie being linked to AEW is the story going into this AEW Dynamite next week. She reportedly is finishing up her dates with Impact Wrestling. According to PW Insider, the former Impact Knockouts champion could be set for a major promotion. Interestingly, current AEW TBS champion Jade Cargill challenged a Canadian wrestler to face her at the upcoming AEW Dynamite in Winnipeg, Canada. With Valkyrie being Canadian, rumors have swirled that she could now be AEW bound. Now, it's claimed that WWE will unlikely be her next destination after the organization dropped the ball on her in 2021. Valkyrie was in WWE, believe it or not, when uh, NXT was on the last legs of it being black and gold. She became Frankie Monet, if you guys remember that. Some of you may not remember that because it was so fucking unimportant that you might have not even realized it. Frankie Monet on NXT, she was then released from her contract before completing a year with the promotion. Why was she fired? Because Vince McMahon fired her for two reasons. One, she was a Triple H project. She was a Triple H hire. So, goodbye, Taya Valkyrie from WWE. Anybody associated with my son-in-law, Paul Levesque, as I destroy his black and gold, goodbye. Secondly, the reason why Taya was fired from WWE and the reason why she should not go back there, even though NXT is now a little better as far as management is concerned, you never know with Vince McMahon looming what, me, what that means for Taya and her eventually going to the main roster or if she ends up on NXT. First of all, why would she want to go back to NXT? Look at NXT. Who wants to go back there? She is better than that. Why would she want that for herself? That is a downgrade from what she's doing now. Taya was fired because of ageism. They looked at her and said, 39 years old, goodbye. We have no use for you. That's why she was fired, which is fucked up. Which is fucked up. How many men exist on that roster that are over the age of 45? but they want to fire Tyra Valkyrie for being 39 years old, a female at 39 years old. Yet they got Trish Stratus and Lita on fucking WWE winning tag team titles on Monday Night Raw. Trish Stratus is rumored to be in a major program with Becky Lynch going into SummerSlam, but they want to cry ageism for 39-year-old Tyra Valkyrie. Why would she want to go back there, I wonder? Valkyrie made her impact debut in February 2017, during her first thing with the promotion, she became the longest reigning knockouts champion in history, a record she still holds to this date. She departed Impact in January 21 to join WWE as Frankie Monet. If she ends up being the opponent for Jade Cargill, am I going to have a problem with that? No. That would be the best opponent that Jade Cargill has faced, period in this entire 
meaningless and uneventful title reign that she's been on. Does she beat Jade Cargill? No. I don't. I think that's being saved for Chris Statlander whenever she returns. But if Frankie Monet or Taya Valkyrie ends up in AEW, that could be AEW's way to continue building their women's division. She's a decorated women's champion that would add a veteran presence to that locker room that needs veteran presence. I like the move. Call me when Mercedes is about to come in, then we get the party started. Other possible opponents, as per Fightful, Lufisto. Fightful is told that Lufisto had an interest in joining AEW, and there were some informal discussions about her possibly joining the company as a coach. However, there were never any follow-ups on that, and she ended up working a short tag team match at the taping she went to instead. As of Thursday, she's not planned to be Jade's opponent. Jody Threat. Jody Threat is still a free agent. Based in Ontario, she worked in Winnipeg as recently as last week. She is not the opponent, especially if they're hyping up a Canadian performer. That would be something that just falls. Who the fuck knows Jody Threat? Give me a break. Taya, obviously, is the odds-on favorite. Rosemary, she's under a deal with Impact as well, but can take select outside bookings. It's unlikely that includes AEW without proper clearance. The Bunny, it's not the Bunny, even though she's Canadian. She's wrestled once in 2023, and that match was cut short against Jamie Hayter due to a broken nose. And Nicole Matthews, no. A few readers have noted that Nicole Matthews is taking United States bookings, according to Fightful. They've confirmed that she's based out of Vancouver. She's traveling to the United States more in 2023 and is fully legal to work in the United States. Nobody knows who the fuck Nicole Matthews is. No, thank you. Taya Valkyrie is the odds-on favorite. Simple. Tony Khan. He announces a reach for the sky, boy. Ladder match. For the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. Obviously, Mark Briscoe carrying around that Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship. Minus Jay Briscoe. God rest his soul. Everybody wondered what was going on with the Tag Team Championships in Ring of Honor. On Rampage, Briscoe announced that there will be a reach for the Sky Ladder match to crown the new Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions at Supercard of Honor on March 31st. Briscoe mentioned that AEW and Ring of Honor owner, Tony Khan, asked him what he thinks should be done with the titles, and he came up with the idea for this match, choosing to name it after his brother's famous catchphrase. He also introduced the first entrance in the match, which will be Ray Phoenix and Penta, the Lucha Brothers, before Jay Briscoe's untimely death in an automobile crash on January 17th, which shocked everybody and still to this day is... The Briscoe brothers had won their 13th Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship in a double dog collar match against FTR, one of the greatest tag team title matches that anybody will ever see, ever, period. That was that final battle in 2022. Briscoe's never had an opportunity to defend those tag team titles. And now we are finally going to get a new set of tag team champions. The best tag teams in Ring of Honor are going to be competing for these titles. I don't know what that means. I don't know how many teams are going to be ready for this match, but it's off to a great start with the Lucha Brothers as they are one of the best tag teams in the world of pro wrestling. 
If you're if you're going to include the top tag teams in the world, is what they are describing this as. I don't know how many teams are going to be in this. Thing. I don't. I, first of all, I don't even know how matches this match is going to be fucking laid out. I'll reach for the sky ladder match with six tag teams. I don't know, man. That sounds like uh, that sounds like chaos just waiting to happen. Lucha Brothers. I mean, FTR has to be a part of this. They have to. How is FTR not going to be a part of the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles when they are former Ring of Honor Tag Team champions themselves? And if there's anybody that is in that camp with the Briscoes, it's FTR. Lucha Brothers, FTR. What about the Young Bucks? Why not get the Young Bucks in that tag team match? What about... You got the Kingdom. They may be the best tag team that Ring of Honor has right now. In Matt Taven... And Mike Bennett. There's four teams right there. Who else you want to include in this thing? Give me two other teams. I have no fucking idea. I don't know how many other tag teams could be in this thing. Those are four teams right there. How many more? How many teams do you need? Six teams? Six times two is 12. Yeah, I could do math. 12 guys in a fucking tag team ladder match. I mean, holy fucking shit. It's a lot of bodies. That is a lot of bodies. So I don't know what we do in this match, but clearly you're going to have some of the best tag teams in Ring of Honor history. That's what it should be. Mark Briscoe himself, I don't know what Mark Briscoe does himself. I don't want to see him in another tag team. I don't. I believe he's wrestling Samoa Joe for the TV championship on the upcoming tapings this coming Thursday. Mark Briscoe should absolutely be a solo wrestler. I can't even envision him being there as a tag team guy. Absolutely should be solo. If he's going to do anything in a tag team capacity, Aussie Open, yes, Daniel Rodriguez, Aussie Open. Aussie Open would be incredible as Ring of Honor tag team champions. That would be fantastic. That's five teams right there. How many more teams we need? How many more teams we need? Five, six, six at most. Six max. Top flight. Maybe we get top flight. Maybe we get top flight, round out those six teams, and that's what you got. The only time I'd want to see Mark Briscoe in a tag team element would be what he did with the Lucha Brothers at the pre-show for Revolution or maybe in a six, in a uh, trios with FTR. Because, I mean, that would, that would just be perfect. That would just be perfect. So we'll see. I don't know. Reach for the Sky Ladder match taking place at the Supercard of Honor. It's going to be something. It's going to be a spectacle, I'll tell you that. Alexa Bliss, speaking of something that is not a spectacle, fires back at reports about her absence from WWE TV. Alexa Bliss has been boring. Everything she does has been boring on television. Bliss is supposedly taking time away from WWE, something the company knew about going into the Royal Rumble this past January, where she lost the Raw Women's Champion uh, to Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair. The last few moments of the match saw her react to a video where you could see a playground and Uncle Howdy after the match. Another tease that Bliss may be aligning with Bray Wyatt and Howdy when she comes back. Alexa Bliss, after reportedly being on hiatus 
This is coming from PW Insider and Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Indicated on Twitter that the reports were bullshit. Bliss tweeted, tired of seeing these tweets. I'm not on hiatus. They know where to find me. End quote. I don't give a fuck where they find you as long as I don't find you on WWE television. Simple. And PW Insider reported that Bliss is not factored into any plans. The last time Bliss was seen on TV was at the Royal Rumble when she lost to Bianca Belair. PW Insider reported that she would be taking a break. She hasn't been on the road with WWE for many weeks. And the exact reason why WWE hasn't come up with something is unknown. During the weeks leading up to the Royal Rumble, the reunion with Bray Wyatt seemed to be the direction. But there have been no teases in that direction or anything regarding Bray Wyatt at all. Alexa Bliss wrestles as if she doesn't want to be there. Everything she did, it almost came off to me like she did not want to be there. I don't give a shit why she's on hiatus. Maybe she's falling out of love with pro wrestling. It's the way I see it. Does she add any value to what she's doing? No. Is her character something that the division is sorely missing? No. Fuck no. She wrestles like she doesn't want to be there. I've said this for weeks. She moves like she's moving in quicksand. She moves like she does not care about anything or anyone she's in the ring with. Meanwhile, she wants to blast these reports. PW Insider and Meltzer talked about the same thing. So if it was Meltzer, I would understand maybe it's a bullshit. But you got PW Insider backing this up. I mean, if it comes from multiple sources, there's got to be something going on there, right? But then she wants to come out like a typical pro wrestler does and dumb down the dirt sheets and dumb down the reports. Oh, I'm not on hiatus. They know where to find me. Yeah, they know where to find you. Maybe if you fucking got with the program and acted like you wanted to be there, maybe WWE would show some willingness to put you back on TV. The company does not need Alexa Bliss. The company doesn't miss Alexa Bliss at all. I'm sorry. You're an Alexa Bliss fan? I'm sorry. Your girl sucks. She offers nothing of value to the WWE women's division. And if she doesn't want to be there, let's get somebody in her place that actually is going to show us that they want to be there. I'm sure WWE can find somebody to take her spot and show a little bit more desire to wanting to be wrestling on Monday Night Raw. And finally, guys, Conan. I'm not Conan's biggest fan. I'm not, and vice versa. But Conan is set to induct Rey Mysterio into the Hall of Fame. Rey Mysterio was announced on SmackDown as the first inductee into the WWE class of 2023. And of course, Rey Mysterio was going to have to be inducted by somebody other than his son, because his son can't stand his father. Rey Mysterio is asking for Conan to induct him into the Hall of Fame per Dave Meltzer. Mysterio and Conan frequently team together in WCW, AAA, and ECW in the, late, in the 1990s and early 2000s. And they also wrestled each other on occasions in WCW. Many fans will remember the duo for their time as members of the Filthy Animals in the dying days of WCW. With that being the last time the two men shared a ring on national television, despite them ultimately going in different directions for their careers, Conan 
has continued to be one of Mysterio's biggest supporters in the business. Now, while being inducted to the Hall of Fame, that would normally be the main thing on Rey Mysterio's mind if he wasn't wrestling going into WrestleMania season. But right now, he's focused on his son, Dominic, as well, and the feud going on with the Judgment Day, which hopefully will come to its end at WrestleMania 39 in a one-on-one match between father and son. I'm excited for this. This is all I'll say on this. There's nobody more deserving than Rey Mysterio. Um, I love the Rey Mysterio legato uh, little little tease they got going on. As uh, you know, they're friends. They've aligned legato with Rey Mysterio. I think that's great. This little alignment on WWE television. Dominic has been tremendous in his role in Judgment Day. I mean, it's it's just a brilliant. It's actually worked out. Nobody really understood. Nobody understood it in the beginning. But it's actually a move that turned out to be a brilliant move and paid off for WWE and paid off for Dominic in the long run. I mean, I can't even envision him out of the Judgment Day. I think it's great that he's there. Judgment Day is probably the next best best faction in WWE outside of of the bloodline. They are hot. Rhea's hot. Finn has been great. Damian has been great. They've all worked together to really overall enhance the group. And Dominic is really kind of maximizing his time there, which is a great thing to see. I don't know what WWE plans to do here. I don't know what Rey Mysterio wants to do with this Hall of Fame induction. He can get the Hall of Fame induction. He can get the whole nine, come out there, accept the ring, have Conan talk about him, have Rey give his speech. I don't care what WWE does with his Hall of Fame induction ceremony. But the one thing that needs to happen is Dominic... There needs to be a pro wrestling angle at the Hall of Fame. I mean, they're going to be there after SmackDown in the ring doing their thing. Dominic and the Judgment Day need to make a mockery out of everything Rey Mysterio's induction is. Dominic needs to beat him down. I mean, imagine, imagine if this match is announced for WrestleMania and the last thing we see on Friday night at the Hall of Fame is Dominic beating the shit out of his father and ruining the Hall of Fame ceremony with the amount of heat that he garners from that going into that match. Could you imagine anything better? I don't give a shit what they do. That needs to happen. Dominic needs to beat the shit out of his father during his own Hall of Fame acceptance speech. We've never seen that before. So why not? They want to believe Dominic is going to be the heir apparent to Rey Mysterio. That kid will be remembered for that night as long as he's a fucking pro wrestler on WWE. Easy. Easy. And just like that, easy. Episode 468 is in the books. Appreciate you guys very much for all of your support. Please, once again, go check out Magic Spoon, man. MagicSpoon.com. Use the word script or code script at checkout or go to magicspoon.com slash script for your $5 off internationally as well with Canada and the UK getting involved, shipping to both Canada and the UK. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Hit that thumbs up. We had 1,800 plus in the venue tonight. I would love to get 1,000 likes minimum on tonight's show. Super Chats are open. It's last call. Get them on in. 
and channel memberships are open. You guys can sign up, become a VIP right here on OTS. We got some cool shit coming up, especially on the road to WrestleMania. Nate! Thank you for the new membership, brother. What the fuck are you drinking tonight, man? Devoted with an eight-month membership. OTS for life. Rock on, my excellent brother. You're incredible, and we appreciate you. Thank you, Devoted. And thank you for eight months in the venue. Michelle Moran with $2 Super Chat. Is Cody beating Roman best for business? No. No, it is not. Bizzle is back with a $2 Super Chat. Hey, JD, who you got? Brian versus Gargano versus Butch. Brian. Alex Ali with a $5 Super Chat. Hey, JD, will you be playing WWE 2K23 My Career Mode? I had so much fun going back and watching you play the old ones. I pre-ordered the $120 edition. Alex, I am not ordering or buying WWE 2K23. It's legitimately the same game as last year. Joshua Simo with a 1999 Super Chat. Hey, JD, do you think if Roman retains at WrestleMania to get 1,000 days, will they finally take the belts off of him or just push him to the next milestone, which would be three years as champ totaling 1,095 days? tough to tell, Joshua. Uh, WWE loves their milestones, especially with somebody like Roman. Uh, it is very difficult for me to sit here. Like I have been saying for weeks now, it's very difficult for me to sit here and think Roman is ready to lose the championship when we haven't been given any reason outside of, oh, it's too long. Oh, he's held the titles for too long. Oh, Monday Night Raw needs their championship back. If you could give me a good reason why Roman Reigns should lose the championships without using any one of those excuses, then I, I, I'd be all ears. But I can't give you a reason why Roman is ready to lose the championship right now. That boy Dre becomes a new member. Dre, what the fuck are you drinking tonight, man? Freebird, 53 with seven months. Are you a fan of the three stages of Hell Match? Absolutely. If so, when would you do the match and what feud would you use it for? And which one was your favorite? Shawn Michaels and Triple H was my favorite three stages of hell match. I don't know when I'd use it again, man. The feud's got to be really, uh, really a blood feud like Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Joseph Taylor with a $3 super chat. I appreciate you, Joseph Taylor. Thank you so much, man. J.D., imagine WrestleMania in the Sky Dome for two nights. Yes. One of the places I'd absolutely visit for WrestleMania is Canada, Toronto, Montreal. Tank, whoa, with a new membership. Thank you, Tank. What the fuck are you drinking tonight, man? Nick Williams with a $5 super chat. What would have happened if Cena ended Undertaker's streak instead of Lesnar at WrestleMania 30? There would have been fan revolt, and I'm sure there would have been pitchforks and fire outside of the WWE Titan Tower. 
glorious one with a 999. I love Undertaker, but what the fuck is he talking about? Roman was worthy. Did he not hear the crowd during the match at Mania versus him? Maybe he doesn't remember, glorious. By the way, that match was awful. That match was downright terrible, man. I, what a waste of a match. They clearly, I mean, it was all Roman agenda at that point. I mean, it was ridiculous. Gotham guy with a $10 super shot. Another YouTuber suggested that AW Collision should be an in-studio show with sit-down interviews, promos, and a couple of original matches to drive more casual eyes to dynamite. Your thoughts? Nobody wants to watch an in-studio show at 6 or 5 p.m. on a Saturday night in the middle of the summer. I just said you need to make the show worthwhile. That's not making the show worthwhile. Who said that? They're, they're clueless. Clueless. You want to watch a studio in-studio in, in show, sit-down show? Put it on YouTube. Don't, get, don't give it to me on TNT or TBS. Joseph Taylor with a $7 super chat. JD, actually, Ty Valkyrie was signed to WWE when she was 37. She got fired when she was 38. She will be 40 in October. Ageism. Doesn't matter what age, Joseph. 38, 39, 40. It doesn't matter. They fired her because they thought she was old. Rich Sparks with a new membership. Rich, what the fuck are you drinking, Rich? Thank you. Cody Snyder with a $5 super chat. It's amazing Vince can put all that energy and creativity into getting power, but not the writing of his shows or improvement of his product because he doesn't care. It's his, he wants it to be his, and he wants you to know it is his. He does not care about us at all. Triple H cares about the product and cares about us in the same vein. Vince does not. Basic with a new membership. Basic, what the fuck are you drinking tonight, man? Thank you for becoming a VIP. And Sinister with a six-month membership to the VIP club. Thank you, Sinister. Hey, JD, Vinnie Mac should come back and run AEW. The man amongst boys just playing keep doing your thing. You're the king of the IWC. Hashtag OTS for life. I don't want Vince anywhere near AEW. And Vince doesn't want anywhere. Vince doesn't want AEW anywhere near him. He's not selling to Tony Khan. Ever. And Tim Lowry with four months in the VIP club. Glad to be here with the best in the business. Keep up the great work, brother. Tim, thank you for four months in the venue, brother. I really... Appreciate you guys re-upping your VIP memberships. We are on the verge of something special with the new design. My mother's basement coming soon. You guys are going to be absolutely in love, man. There's not going to be another place you want to be but off the script when we unveil the newest extension to the OTS venue. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here, man. Thank you for a great show. The energy was great tonight. I felt great. The opinions tonight were on point. 
Excellent, excellent, excellent show tonight, man. What a nap would do for you. That's exactly what I did, man. Had a nap, had dinner, had a coffee, ready to go. That's the recipe for success here. Awesome. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. Next time you see me is going to be tomorrow night. Monday Night Raw will be live in the venue for Monday Night Raw right here on OTS. A couple more weeks and we'll be at WrestleMania. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check out all the other content on the channel. There is plenty of it. Go check out Magic Spoon, guys. Get yourself some cereal. Start eating right. Magicspoon.com slash scripts. Or use the word scripts at checkout to save $5 off your box. And like I said, go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it if you guys need to get caught up before we start a brand new week tomorrow. Guys, let me see those ace emojis in the chat. Let me see those Mustang emojis in the chat. Let me see those rock on emojis in the chat. I want to hear that music turned up to max. Guys, tomorrow night in the venue, raw, right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.